Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Nonetheless, those who were in distress won't be exhausted. At an earlier time, God cursed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but later he glorified the way of the sea the far side of the Jordan and the Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch dark land, light has dawned. You have made the nation great. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice. As on the day of Midian, you've shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor, because every boot of the thundering warriors and every garment rolled in blood will be burned, fuel for the fire. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and authority will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom, establishing it and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of heavenly forces will do this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, this morning, would you both come and bring peace to those who need it? And would you disrupt the peace of those who are too comfortable in their peace today? Uh, If we need peace, give it. If we need to be shaken from our complacency of peace, shake us today, oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Way, 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 way back in 1984, Christmas time, my senior year of high school, by the way, a group of British pop musicians came together to raise money and awareness for a multi-year famine that was going on in Ethiopia that claimed over a million lives. The name of the song is Do They Know It's Christmas?, Immediately was a huge success, immediately made about $10 million that went to food relief, and it's been playing on the radio every Christmas ever since. I expect most of you know the words. There's one line that's particularly striking to me. It goes like this. I won't sing it. I'll just read it. There's a world outside your window, and it's a world of dread and fear, where the only water flowing is the bitter sting of tears. 
And the Christmas bells that ring there are the clanging chimes of doom. Well, thank, well, tonight, thank God, it's them instead of you. And there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas time. The greatest gift they'll get this year is life, where nothing ever grows. No rain nor river flows. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? When it's in a pop beat, you don't always hear the seriousness of the words, right? But here we are, 35 years plus later, and that song is just as relevant this Christmas as it ever has been. On Christmas Day 2021, there will be 26.4 million people living in refugee camps around the world, displaced by war and violence. This Christmas, the week of Christmas, depending on what happens, of course, with the Omicron variant, likely 600 million people will test positive for COVID that week, largely because they're unvaccinated, because in most parts of the world, the vaccination still isn't available. 7,000 will likely die that week, depending on what Omicron does. On Christmas Day 2021, there will be thousands of people gathered at the southern border of the United States hoping to find some way across and many more coming on their way from Central and South America just trying to find a better life for their family. Half a million people around the world will be experiencing famine. They are right now. Billion are malnourished as we feast on Christmas Day, gaining an average of 10 pounds over the Christmas holiday. That's what happens in the U.S. 426 million children will celebrate Christmas this year in areas called conflict zones, where daily their lives are in danger. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? And today's the second Sunday of Advent, and today our theme is peace. I think we need to think about what peace means when there are so many in our world who are not experiencing peace. Peace was a theme of our scripture this morning, Isaiah 9, verse 7 said, Because of this one who is coming, the Prince of Peace, there will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom, establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of heavenly forces will do this. Remember the, the angels appeared in the, over the, the fields by night on Christmas Eve and they spoke to the shepherds and they declared glory to God in the highest and on earth what? Peace. Goodwill. This time of year we talk about lions and oxen eating together, coexisting harmoniously. We talk about swords being bent into plowshares and not making war anymore. Today's about peace. But when I read the Gospels, particularly when I think about the ministry of Jesus, peace is not what, the first thing that comes to mind for me. In fact, more often than not, it seems like Jesus is disrupting people's peace. Remember when the angel spoke to Joseph and said, you're going to have a baby with Mary that you're engaged to? Was his reaction one of peace? No, he tried to figure out how to separate himself and not marry Mary. When King Herod heard that a newborn king of the Jews had been born in Bethlehem, he ordered that all 
infant males be slaughtered, sending the Holy Family off to Egypt to save Jesus and becoming refugees. Remember when Jesus went and spoke at his hometown synagogue, kind of inaugurating his ministry. He made the people so mad they tried to throw him off a cliff. The disciples were constantly confused by Jesus and often the target of his correction. One time when Jesus was in the temple, he turned over all the tables of the money changers, infuriating those in charge of the temple. He told his followers, you must take up your cross. That's not something you wear around your neck or tattoo on your arm. In those days, a cross was a place you died. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were in such constant apoplexy because of Jesus that they eventually had him crucified. This is our Prince of Peace. The biblical word for peace is, anybody know? Shalom. You've heard that before. Shalom. It's an Old Testament Hebrew word. Oftentimes when we think about peace or shalom, we just think about an absence of violence. We use the word peace that way, meaning violence hasn't happened, it's been avoided, or it's been disrupted. We talk about peace versus the violence of war, or peacetime versus wartime, or peace accords versus declarations of war, or peacekeepers versus armed combatants. But just because violence isn't happening, physical violence isn't happening, doesn't necessarily mean people are at peace. What about violence that comes in other forms? What about ethnic divisions? What about just tenuous ceasefires that no one knows they can count on? What about war crimes that are never prosecuted? Oppression, injustice, poverty, hunger, displacement, unemployment, emotional distress. There are a lot of people in the world that aren't necessarily living in a war zone who are not necessarily experiencing peace. I became a campus minister in 2003, and shortly after starting my campus ministry, a group of my students went to Mozambique, Africa, for a a mission trip. And one of the things they did there, one of the projects, was to teach young people in Mozambique how to farm. Now, there's a huge irony here. The people of Mozambique have been farming that land literally since the beginning of time. My college students hadn't farmed a day in their lives. They had to be trained to go train people how to farm who should know how to farm. But Mozambique had been through a three-year, three-decade, rather, civil war. And oftentimes during war, farming comes to an end because it's not safe to work the field when people are shooting guns and dropping bombs. And so over three decades, over and over, farming was disrupted. Sometimes crops would rot in the field because it wasn't safe to pick them. Or crops didn't get planted because that wasn't safe. And when this year's crop doesn't happen... That means there's no food for the coming year and no seed for next year's crop. This age-old cyclical process was disrupted numerous times. And one entire generation of farmers passed without passing that information on. And so for more than a decade, they'd experienced peace from war, but not necessarily peace from daily hunger. In fact, during wartime, one of the things that is often attacked is the land itself. 
Sometimes the opposing army will put landmines in the field just so you can't farm it. In Guatemala, where I've done a lot of work, during their civil war, the government would put salt in the field so they couldn't grow corn anymore, just to punish the enemy. This is the violation of peace that I'm talking about. Now you might say, well, I mean, that's, that's one kind of peace or violation of peace, but isn't what Jesus offering more internal, more of a, a feeling of peace, a sentiment of peace? Isn't what Jesus offers something that's more spiritual in nature? Well, it is that. Clearly, there are people who experience peace from knowing Jesus. I do. I suspect you do. We find peace just being in a place like this often. But as I prayed earlier, sometimes that peace leads to complacency. We begin to think that, that, that my peace is what matters most. And when you read carefully the text of this season in particular, it's pretty clear that Jesus came for something a bit more radical. Mother Mary, when she was pregnant with Jesus, went to visit her cousin Elizabeth and said, the Lord has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Do you hear the theme of justice? It doesn't say anything about like he's come, he's sending his son to make everybody feel better. He's talking about sending a son to disrupt the injustice of our world. Remember when Jesus went and preached at his hometown synagogue, he he gave his, his kind of vision message. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we just heard a moment ago from Isaiah 9, there will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom, establish and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forevermore. You see the connection, peace and justice? Peace and justice. You have to have both. They go hand in hand. Let's come back to the word shalom. Biblically, the Hebrew word shalom means more than just the absence of violence. Shalom includes the overall health and well-being of people families, societies, nations, and particularly care for the marginalized. When there is shalom, the vulnerable are protected. When there is shalom, there's equal, fair opportunity for all people, for work and for education and for participation in society. When there's shalom, people's basic needs are taken care of, health, shelter, food, security. When there's shalom for everyone, all people are treated with dignity and respect. There's justice and fairness and equity for everyone. Author Wendy writes, Shalom implies not simply the absence of conflict, but also the blessings of God, a full and whole life, fertility of the land, and joy in community. James 3.18 says, Those who make peace sow the seeds of justice by their peaceful acts. And Dr. Martin Luther King once wrote, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice where? Everywhere. 
We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Or a simplified version that we hear chanted more frequently lately, or we see on signs, no justice, no peace. How often in the, in the Black Lives Matter movements or after the, the wrongful arrest or death of a young African-American person or when a, a, an unfair, unjust court ruling is decided, how often have we seen crowds or heard crowds chanting, no, no justice, no peace? And I think sometimes we hear that as a threat, right? Oh, well, now there's going to be violence. And I think it's just a statement of fact. As long as there's no justice, there can't be peace. How do we expect peace when there are people who continue to live with perpetual injustices? I fear sometimes that that we miss the message of Christmas because we have a tendency to over-sentimentalize the birth of Jesus. We focus on the cute little baby in the clean hay of the manger, right? And pretty angels coming for a visit, and new parents. How sweet is that? But I don't think Jesus came for something sentimental. I think he came for something more radical than that. The birth of Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God coming into the world is God's single greatest act of intervention in human history. He came to establish God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. He came, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. How radical is that? And just the fact that he was born in a barn of poor parents, immediately sent into refugee status because of Herod killing the babies. Just his status that he enters the world tells us something about God's heart for the marginalized. Liberation theologian Gustavo Gutierrez writes, To the eyes of the Christian, the incarnation is the eruption of God into human history. An incarnation into littleness and service in the midst of the overbearing power exercised by the mighty of this world. An eruption that smells of a stable. I think it goes without saying that whatever... Christ came to inaugurate, we have been invited to participate. Whatever Christ has come to inaugurate, you and I have been invited to participate. He invites us to be his agents through which he does the work of justice and peacemaking. Remember Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Friends, Christmas and Advent is a blessing, but we can't let it be a blessing just for us. We are always blessed to blessed. Whatever peace we find is so that we can work to create peace for others. Whatever we get is meant to be given. Whatever we discover in Christ is meant to be shared, that we could be participants in the work of peace year-round. Sister Joan Chittister writes, There is no part of following Jesus the prophet, of living the Gospels, from which any of us are exempt. And so through Advent, we're talking of the theme is the gift, right? The gift. So last week we talked about the gift of hope. Today we're talking about the gift 
of peace. And all of us probably want the gift of peace. I do, almost on a daily basis, ask God for the gift of peace. But when was the last time you asked God to be the gift of peace for others? When a child has enough to eat, there is peace on earth. When people lay down their guns and stop shooting each other, there's peace on earth. When there's equal opportunities for people to give fair trials and, and to have a good education and somewhere to live that's secure, there's peace on earth. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? What's this church going to do to be the gift of peace for the world? Let's pray. So Lord, we pray for all those in the world for whom this day is not a day of peace. For this season is not a season of peace. For whom this Christmas will not be a day of peace. We pray for your love, your mercy, your strength, your provision to surround them. And, Lord, for people like us who know you, who claim you as our Messiah, for us to be your gift of peace to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.